Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm excited that you're in the house. You are in the house. And today I want to talk about one of the most basic needs in life. One of the most basic needs in life. It doesn't matter where you grew up. Young or old, married or single, this basic need crosses cultural lines. It doesn't matter if you like rap, rock, or country. Come on. It doesn't matter if you're a comedy guy or an action guy or a romance guy. (laughs) The truth is that we all need and, and need to receive and need to feel love. We all need to feel love. And, and it, it, during the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about what love is. And we're going to, I can't wait, don't miss next week, we're going to talk about how love is healing. And then the third week, we're going to talk about how love is complicated. And, uh, I, and so uh, bring your parents, uh, bring your children, <laughs> because we're just going to talk a little bit about love. Because I think, here's the thing, I think sometimes what the church does is we talk about, we have certain buzzwords that we use, and we think everybody gets it and knows it. And so we use it in our vernacular, but I want to describe really what it is. Love is huge. It's a small word, but it's got a huge impact. You know, and I tell you this, because of our culture, you know, we value superstars, people who can sing and slam a a basketball and and throw a pass. And you think, man, all of these are are huge, um, um, uh, exciting possibilities of people who become superstars. And you think about gifts and talents and the people, what they had to overcome in order to to get what they want, determination. and if you're not careful, you'll think that's more important than love. And in our culture, we value these things, gifts, talents, determination. And, and so we think, oh, because we've grown up in families, because we've grown up with friends or surrounded with friends, we, we understand love. You know, yesterday I was bringing, uh, Katie and I went to go pick up our kids from summer camp, and we were driving, most of the kids were asleep, and, and one of our daughters just said, hey, Daddy, uh, I passed off some requirements in one of my activities. I got four awards. And I, man, that's good. You know, both Katie and I, man, that's good. Woo. It's like, we were so excited. And she goes, I knew you'd be proud of me. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. I mean, it's kind of was an awkward <laughs> sentence structure. I, I just knew you were going to be proud of me. And, and, and she said, you know, here's the thing is that she knew that her father was for her. She knew that. She knew that when she told us the news, we were ready to cheer. We were ready to celebrate. Come on. We were ready to embrace her. You know, and it, it didn't finish there. We got home, and, and I had to come back up to the church to, to do a little work. And, and so I came back up here, and, and uh, I went back home. It was about 1030, and, and the kids, some of the kids are all, all still awake, kind of rustling. And they're all coming to me. And I, I had one child... Uh, say, Dad, I, I need you. Where's my phone? 
You know what I'm saying? It was like, it was like, it actually was like, where's the shirt? Where's the, the dad, I need, I need you. Where is this? Then, then the next person, next child came up and they were like, dad, I need to show you my new friends that I made at camp. And then the next child was like, dad, here are the certificates and awards that I told you about. I want you to see them. And I'm like, oh, okay, oh, it's good, it's exciting. And then, and then the last one, you know, slipped and fell on something and hit the back of his head. And he was like, Dad, I need you to feel this. <laughs> and so, and so I, oh, man, that knot, that's a bit, that's a, ooh, that's a bit, no, it was painful. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I guess I was kind of in tune to this whole idea of love. But as I began to walk through every one of these thoughts, it was amazing because I realized that all of them had something to tell me because they knew that I love them. Yeah. And I think sometimes in our relationship with God, what happens is we don't know that we can come to God with everything. With everything. There will be days that you will hurt. And there will be days that you'll be excited. There'll be days that you made a new friend, and there'll be days that you lost one. <laughs> I mean, there, there will be these days in life, but we've got to understand what love is. The reason I tell you this is because God loves you. And I know what you're thinking. Uh, Pastor, I know, I know that. I, I know he loves me. But when was the last time you, you, you ran to the Father because you knew that he would cheer for you? When was the last time that you made time for him because you just wanted to connect? When, when was the last time that you brought that hurtful moment to him and laid it down before him? See, we all think it, it, the hardest thing to do is to teach someone what they think they already know. Have you ever done that? With, uh, if you're a little older, come on. Have you ever tried to teach someone who's a little younger Something that they already know. I mean, maybe you don't have anybody like that in, in, in your life. Uh, but, but it's funny because we have this automatic response. And it's not just old and young. It's all of us. We have automatic responses that say, I already know that. I already know that because I heard it. I already know that. But the truth is, church, so many times our picture of love comes from the people that we've done life with, people in our past, people in our present. And the sad part is, even at their best, they're still human. Even at their best, they're still human. And guess what? We miss it and we blow it. And if we're not careful, the picture of love will be something more like conditional conditional love. And, and I want to talk about that. You know, I, I think I really figured this out when Katie and I got married. Now, when Katie and I got married, I mean, obviously we dated for years. She was my best friend. We had fun together. I, I, as much as I could love, I loved her as much as I could. But after a couple years of marriage, here's what I found out, is that one of the major issues in my background, and I didn't see it until years into marriage, was that sometimes my love was conditional. Anybody ever had moments where you felt like your love, come on, was conditional? 
As long as you make me happy, come on, as long as we're cooking cake at night, as long as we're baking those cookies, come on, as long as I'm getting a little back rubs, I'm happy. I love you. Hey, babe, I need a little back rub. No. <laughs> Silent treatment. You know that? I mean, and it's so funny how we grow up, and here's the deal, growing up, there were parts and seasons of my life that I believed love was performance-based. I believe that. So with friends and family and marriage, it, if we're not careful, we will give and hold our love based on if you are good. And if you're good, we're gonna, we're gonna, well, I'm really going to love you. But if you're not, and here's what I want you to know is that God is not that. God, God is not that. And you know what? Well, here's what I found out. When she, on occasion, would hurt my feelings, my love would just, you know what I'm saying? I'm not letting it out. I'm not letting it I'm going to hold it. I'm going to keep it tight. And, and here's what I've, I found out is that we were not producing unconditional love in our marriage there were unspoken conditions. And our marriage was good when we were both happy. Come on, somebody. But our marriage w wasn't, come on, when we had both decided to pull love back from the table. My assignment today is love is God's gift. Love is God's gift. And I want to walk through this. First John chapter 4 through 7 through 13. I want to read this to you. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Now think about this. That's a very powerful statement. That's huge. Because we tend to think because we feel it, we're doing it. But here's what God says. God says that if you are operating in love, you know God. But if you're not operating in love, grudges, unforgiveness, frustration, mad at the people that love, come on, then here's the thing is that you may not be in relationship. You know, that no word was a sign of relationship. It was a sign of intimacy. And what he's saying is, you may not know God, meaning you're not being intimate with God where his nature is now coming off in your nature. Does this make sense? It says this, nine, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. In this is love. Check this out. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son for the perpetuation of our sin. In other words, it's well, you think, oh, I love God, but God loved you before you loved him. God was the giver and so you have received this, then your heart opened up to love. But don't think for a second that you were the first one to love. That's right. He was. Yeah. 
He was. It says, verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, then we ought to love one another. I didn't get an amen on that part. All right? No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. I hear people all the time, I'm trying to grow in love, I'm trying to grow in love, I'm trying to grow in love. Well, here's what I'm telling you, you cannot grow in love, but what you can do is you can be close to love and let God perfect and work through you like a funnel, and then you can have more love. But you know what? Because you come to church for the last 30 years, that don't necessarily mean that you're a, you love better. There's this idea where if I'm in church long enough, through just attrition, it'll just kind of roll on me. But the truth of the matter is, love is always a proximity issue. It always is. For us to understand this, let's take a little step back. Greek was the original writing of the New Testament. In the Greek, there are four different forms of the word love in the English version, we say love, and, and we, we, we mean a thousand things when we say it. We use the love for marriage and, and, and intimacy and family and friends and french fries. I mean, it's all love. Come on, come on. We love. Love some ice cream. Love. You know what I'm saying, Gina? Uh, listen, I want to show you this real quick. Um, and I, I kind of have this slide, and I want to show you all four so that we know. Because I think what happens is... We fall in love. So our culture, what they do is they promote one type of love. And so, come on, we all have, have seen the, 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 or heard the stories, Romeo and Juliet. Come on, La La Land. I don't know if you saw that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, notebook, star, the fault in the stars. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the, the reality is, here's what happens is if you build a relationship absent of agape love, then your relationship is headed for problems. Not today, not tomorrow, but eventually it will be, because here's the thing. Let's look at this. Um, sorge, this is uh, affection, love between families. That is a natural instinct. That is a natural instinct. You don't have to force that. Come on, how many of you have ever gotten real with family and you still love them? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Me and mom and dad, we've had, we've had moments. It's gotten real up in the sex and how, but we, there's still love. It's a natural thing. Okay? Eros. That's more sexual. Love between married uh, uh, people. Love between uh, married couples. That's a natural instinct. You can see that in nature. Phileo or phileo, friendship, love between friends, okay? That's just a, uh, we're, we're friends, and, and, and we ha there's a love between us. It's not sexual, it's not physical, it's just love. But agape is unconditional love, and that's love that comes from God, and that is an unnatural instinct. It is not a natural instinct for you to love people despite what they do to you. Here's the issue that I see, is a lot of times what happens is we, we understand uh, sorge, and, and we understand uh, phileo or phile, and, 
eros. And so we tend to live in three compartments. But here's the deal. All of these have a pressure vacuum. And after a while, if they're not founded or grounded on anything deeper, there is a certain amount of weight that it can take. And then it will break. It will break. So it eros, come on, it, you know, it, you got married or you're, you're in this relationship and you have this desire to be physical. You have this desire to, to you, oh, man, this will never stop. It'll stop. Get you three wanted kids. It'll stop. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> have it hurt your feelings. It'll stop. You know, have him hurt your feelings. But what I'm telling you is all three of these have a, an unspoken uh, limit of weight. Come on, have you ever known any families that the weight or the comment or the argument or the frustration was so heavy now they don't even speak? Yes. Come on. Come on. See, there's a weight. Have you ever had a best friend? Come on. Don't you tell me about my best friend? You know, you're like, you know, you, you know, Woody and Buzz. You're like, man, we're just best friends. Until that one comment, until that one issue, until that one business deal, come on, somebody, until that one disagreement, and you guys were together every weekend, y'all were together. But, but what I'm telling you is all three of these, you may not know it, but they have a limit. That's why God wants to invite you in and, and build this agape love that's deeper that all of these other loves rest on. None of these other loves are bad. They're just incomplete without God. Does that make sense? None of these are bad. Within marriage, let me tell you something, eros, uh, uh, within family, sorge, within friendship, we have a lot of that here. Uh, uh, phileo, all of this is great in in the context of God being the source of it all. Here's the problem. If love isn't built on something deeper, it'll always evaporate. Always. So I want to give you four truths about God's love. Four truths about God's love. The first is, His love is the source of all love. His love is the source of all love. The Bible says in James that every good thing comes from God. It's not that God has love. It's that God is love. There's a difference. It's not that God has love because here's the deal. Come on. It's not like, and obviously, I equate a lot of my examples to leadership, parenting, life. I have four kids. And when I start out the day, hear me now, I have patience. When I wake up in the morning and the alarm goes off, I have a full measure of patience. Come on, somebody. But then questions start coming. Questions from my wife. Questions from my kids. Questions from people. And I can literally feel the patience. Come on, anybody want to testify? Draining from my body. And by 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, I literally have no more patience. Anybody else like that? Come on. Come on. Some of you like 3 o'clock, nothing. I'm, it's done by 11. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. I'm, I'm needing to refuel by 11. God it does not have love. God is love. And he never, listen to this, runs out of love. It's, it's in him. 
It's like the electricity running through the electrical wires. He is not just the outlet. He is the source. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so whenever you're discouraged, whenever you feel unloved, whenever you feel devalued, whenever you feel all alone, you can run to the bottle, you can run to a, a, a friend, you can run to whatever, but all of those are going to be ways of coping. But what I want to tell you is if you'll run to love, he will never run out. Never. Never. It's it's abundant. The second thing that I want to tell you is that God doesn't just say it. He shows it. He doesn't just say, I love you, but he shows it. Anybody ever had anybody in their life that they talked a good game? Don't point them out. Don't point them out. Don't point them out. Don't point them out. Come on. Come on. You know, where your intention and schedule collide, and in this moment, come on, you really meant to clean out the garage, like you really wanted to do that, but then like ice cream was next door, something pulled you away from doing, and so here's what I want to tell you, is that God does not get preoccupied where love is concerned. He models it. He is unfailing in love. And when our circumstances get rough, and his, his love will never fail. Many times we see through the eyes of restriction and pain and hurt and grief. But here's the deal. His love. Don't miss next week as we talk about how God's love is a healer. But listen to this. His love. He loves you no less now than when he sent Jesus to the cross. He loves you no less in this moment than he did over 2,000 years ago in that moment. Just because you don't feel it, just because you don't see it, doesn't mean that it's left. Think about Zacchaeus. If you've been in church, maybe you were in church as a little kid and you sang the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Come on, a wee little man was he. Luke 19, chapter 4, look at this. And so he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. Who was him? Jesus. For he was about to pass that way. Then Jesus came to the place, and he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled, he is gone to be a guest of that man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I will give to the poor. And if I have defaulted anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save, listen to me, that which is lost. You may not understand this culture. Maybe you've done some reading on it, but let me just tell you, 
paying taxes was a matter of life and death. It was a matter of life and death. The Romans would go in, and if there were enough people that did not pay taxes, they would destroy a whole village. Tax collectors were bidders. They were Jewish people that knew the people, knew where people hid their money, knew about the crops and the land, and they sold out their community and made bids on how much they could get the Roman government. The tax collectors were used to squeeze life out of the Jewish people. Here's what I want to tell you, and we've got to know this, church. God doesn't just love the saints. He loves the sinners. God doesn't just love the saints. He loves the sinners. He loves the family member who just had an affair. He loves the teenager who's dealing with sexual orientation issues. He loves the murderer. He loves the religious who's hard-hearted. Don't get it twisted. God is holy. There's a big difference between acceptance and approval. There's a big difference. See, in our culture, if you love me, you will approve. That's not how God does it. I love you. I will accept you broken, bleeding, wronged, in sin. I will accept you. But here's the deal. Don't ask me to call right what is wrong because my love for you will come in and change every part of your life. Every part. God's love was shed, shown, and settled What I'm letting you know is he showed it. He backed it up. The third thing is his love brings value. 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 Look at this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And then God said, let us make man in our own image and after our own likeness. And let him have dominion. We we read this verse. Man was created in the image of God. And when Jesus was sent, value was placed on us. God did not send Jesus for cattle. God did not send Jesus for crickets. God did not send Jesus for cats or dogs or ponies. Even my pretty little ponies, he did not, you understand what I'm saying? And if we culturally miss this, our culture wants to say everything is equal. It's not equal. That doesn't mean we don't value it, but there's a difference between a human and an animal. There is a difference. I'm not saying that we're mean to animals. I'm not saying that we're cruel. I don't even get there. But I am telling you that Jesus did not die so Fifi, come on, would be redeemed. Fifi was not on Jesus' mind. You were. You were. Your brokenness, your loss, all of that was on. You were on God's mind. 
And so when the enemy comes in and tries to tell you that you're you have no value, that you messed up, that you're past, that you know what, the addiction you're working through, the coping mechanisms that are happening in you, all of these things that you're dealing with, because here's the deal, the enemy wants you to have no value and to separate yourself from love. Love is directly connected to value. God gave his son for your life, your freedom, your salvation, and your victory. The religious people did not want Jesus to go hang out with Zacchaeus. Jesus, you should be at the pot, church potluck. Don't be over at his house. The religious people did not want Jesus to stand between an adulterous woman and, and, and the stones that they wanted to throw. But that's where Jesus stands. I used to think that God's love was no big deal. You know, he loves everyone. But that's not the right thought. It's not the right thought. You may think that you are just one of the billions that he loves. What is that? It doesn't even matter. I mean, and people tell me, he, Jesus, God thought of me, and I'm like, God just did this for everybody. I mean, how, why am I special? I used to think that God's love was, was no big deal, that, you know what? That I used to think that God, you know, his love was reserved for the biggies, you know, the favorites, you know, the people that are going to do, you know, a lot for God. Not, not just for me. And the truth of the matter is, um, those thoughts were shifting my perspective of God. And if you've had those thoughts, you need to know this, that you are really accusing God of imperfect love. So you're calling God a liar. Because the truth of the matter is, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is no respecter of person. The fourth one and the last one that we read from this text is his love will always activate community. See, God's love is a gift, and for this church to be life-giving, come on, I have a goal for our church. There are expectations. I want us to grow. I want us to bring people in. I want there to be amens. I, I, I love you. I'm going to do my best to have a good word, and I want you to do your best not to be 17 different places because I'm looking at you while you're looking at me, and I can see where you're at. I can see space off. I can see that. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not on anybody. I'm just saying, as we grow, I want there to be amens, and that's good. I want to connect, because here's the deal. I want this to be a life-giving church, because here's the deal. When you know that that love passes just what you can understand mentally, but then affects your soul, your spirit, every part, you want people to hear the same thing. You want people to hear the same thing. I want people to come in that are broken, that are lost, that are what? And I want them to come in and I want them to experience the love of God. Now let's talk about this. 
one of the biggest epidemics in the church is that people do life alone. It's big. It's huge. Church, here's what you need to, we just read this verse. God created us like God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. God didn't even function outside of relationship. Jesus did not function outside of relationship. So if God doesn't, and Jesus didn't, and the disciples didn't, Maybe that's a key component, and that is a measuring rod on how well you are loving. Because we all want to protect self. We all want to not be inconvenienced. Come on, we all don't want to be around the annoying person. <laughs> we, we all have our feel of people who are overly quiet or overly chatty. We all, come on, we all seek comfort. But it wasn't comfort that sent Jesus to the cross. And it wasn't comfort, come on. And so for us as a community, let's talk about this. You see, when agape love is moving through you, it is foundational love. And it's everything else can be built on that. Yeah, I know. You may say, well, you know what? I, I hear you, and I knew it was going to move to community. I just knew it. You know, you talk about it all the time. But I've been hurt. Yeah. And some of those good people were having a bad day. And some of the people that you were around were just the wrong people. Own it. They were just the wrong people. You know, there's a lot of people that, that as we begin to go through life, there's a lot of people that are needing community and needing connection. Listen, now we have the data. We've done, we've done the stories. Social media, you're connected everywhere. But can I tell you this? This data shows us that just because you're connected, you're not connected. You're not connected. You may have 2,500 friends, but let me tell you this. If the highlight of your day is who commented on your post or who liked your post, you're lonely. You may not know it, but you're lonely. If you're living vicarious through other people's Instagrams, you're lonely. You may not know it, but you're lonely. And here's what I'm telling you. The closer we get to God, the more missional we become. Come here, Abel. Come here real quick. Abel reminds me a lot of God. <laughs> okay, the further I'm away from God, the further I'm away from people. And there's a lot of reasons, let's be honest, that we can be far from God. It can be our own insecurities. It can be lies. It can be our past. It can be leadership that wronged us. But it can also be our sin. Because I, I mean, Adam ran from God when he messed up. So we can, well, we can be purposely not wanting anyone to know us because there's some things we don't want to change. If they knew that about me, 
That's why you need to come close. See, as I come close to God, then what happens is, put your shoulders on me, Abel. He begins to, I begin to be a tool. And now I draw people in and, and I sit where I need to sit rather than I look for just a, a seat. I, I, I begin to invite people to my life group. I, I begin to do because now the, the, the source of love is moving, come on, through me to other people. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.